This is an AMI podcast. I'm headed to one of my favorite bars in the city to get some writing done. It's alone time uh, with my thoughts, which is normally scary, but when I've got my pen and paper, sometimes that turns into jokes. I've got a show lined up in a week or so, and I'm very excited for this. It's been a long time. I'm rebuilding my current set that I've been using for God, a few years now, and I've been working on new material to try to wedge it in. I'm trying more to get away from the blind guy material. It's good, and it's, it is funny, but I'm Dan. I'm not blind Dan. I'm more than just a set of broken eyes. And action. Rachel, breaking character, take six. I'm only in Toronto for two weeks before I head back to Thunder Bay. When I'm in Thunder Bay, I feel like the outdoorsy person that I had always been growing up. And when I'm in Toronto, I feel like the type A, I have to keep on the grind, keep trying to chase opportunities, and also keep being inspiring because ultimately disability visibility kind of hinges on that in some places. Neither part of me fully exist in either Toronto or Thunder Bay. I feel like some of me is always left behind in each city. Today I'm meeting my friend and fashion designer Michael Zafranieri at his home studio for a go-see. Go-sees are your entry point into a relationship with designers, photographers, and stylists in the industry. I love go-sees that are with people I've already worked with before because it's not only a work thing, it's also kind of like catching up with a friend. Hello! Hey. How are you, Michael? Good. How are you, Rachel? Good. Always working. Never always, not working. And always working. Yeah. Well, I'm That's so okay. excited to like see what you've been up to. Yeah. You want to go see it? I absolutely do. Let's do it. Fits very much like it did when I modeled it. A long sleeve, high neck, lace, to the floor gown. Sheer feels covered and both like super hot at the same time. When I had done the fashion show with you previously, I wanted to wear the stuff that is harder to walk in. For me, it's always been really important to prove that I can do any look. Meringue's off. <laughs> Check it. Okay, what is the next look? Let's jump into the catsuit. Okay, that's a first. I'm so excited. <laughs> Michael, this <laughs> outfit I'm so obsessed with. This collection uh, is called uh, Black Nor White Not Nearly So, and play was a big thing about this collection. Well, I'm playing obviously in the mirror because it's yeah. snug and powerful and yeah. very trippy grooves in the heart patterns, but <laughs> it, you sewed gloves into the sleeve, which yeah. makes it feel unreal. And like, it's too fun. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm in a music video. I've seen the fashion industry shift so much since I first found my feet in it. And Michael Enzoff is one of the designers that has created space for people who hadn't already been a part of the industry. Do you remember the first fashion show we did together and the casting that I came to? Yeah, you came in with this air of confidence, even though you were kind of unsure what you were doing and you wanted the coaching, but I really had nothing to coach you on. <laughs> 
And I was like, okay, this is going to be fun. I think I need to cast this person. I remember trying on these two things that had fuller skirts. And then when I got backstage at the fashion show, what I was wearing was Mm -hmm. nothing I had tried on at the casting. And I was like, in my heart, so scared that you were nervous about having a skirt with a cane situation. Mm -hmm. Because it does come into play. So what made you choose what I wore? I think we had two different moments we had the casting and then we had a fitting after that and we tried a few styles on with skirts after seeing it on a few other people i thought you know maybe this is not rachel's outfit it didn't really work with your body the best way it could have and i thought you know what there are better things in the collection that look better on you see and at the time i was scared it was like a disability thing and not Mm. the fact that i'm five foot eleven and i have (laughs) boobs and most models that are like runway are in the five nine and a half zero boob range The first fashion show I did with Michael, I still felt really insecure about my place in the industry, having sort of had doors slammed from an institutional place. And I wasn't sure at the time if he was making a wardrobe choice or if he was making a choice because of my disability. And I'm relieved to know that it was literally a technical fit thing. Thank you for coming back. My relationship with my disability is actually great. Society's relationship with it doesn't always feel very great. As much as, like, I know who I am, I know what I'm capable of, I know what my value is, I don't always feel like society, partners, strangers can see any of that. My name is Catherine. My sign name is Kat. I'm an actor, a filmmaker, a writer, and a dramaturge. My first exposure to sign language was when I was seven years old, watching Johnny Belinda. I don't remember the entire show, but I do remember bits and pieces from it. The theater was absolutely full, and I was seated in the balcony, and so I had a perfect view of the stage and the beautiful red curtains. There were two women on the stage signing. They were spotlit, signing away, and my jaw just dropped. I had had no exposure to ASL, I didn't know about sign language at that point in my young little life. Seeing the movements of sign language and seeing them talking with their hands, that moment really stuck out for me. That play, Johnny Belinda, was one of several moments in my childhood, growing up and wanting to become an actor. I just loved how that one actor moved on stage and she showed the audience her joy. It was just beautiful and it stuck with me ever since. Hey, love. Can you help me with some of my comedy? Yes, yes. Been writing like like an animal. Michelle, my partner, she's extremely supportive. It sounds maybe cliched, but she's my biggest fan, which it's nice to have one. Wanted to hit you with it. Okay, ju- just give it to me. Let me hit you with it. <laughs> no, just tell me the jokes. Leaning into dogs now. Dogs? Yeah, I've been looking at them. Remember when we watched Ronan's dog? Yeah. Right. Um, what was it? It was a... Whip it. Whip it, yes. Yeah. And when I had to go for take him for a walk, I know people were staring at me because I'm out there with my cane yeah. and this, like, like weird-looking dog. It's like, he's like if you cross a real dog with, like, a pencil. Just, like, <laughs> yeah. because you look at them from the side and that's a dog, but then you look at them from the front and the friggin' thing just disappears into the shadow realm. Yeah. It's just, it's just gone. And so... You don't like Shadow Realm, do you? <laughs> it's fine. Shadow Realm is funny. 
Yes. <laughs> you don't think it's I don't care. Uh, Shadow Realm is always funny. What what else do you have From about dogs? From Snout Down. Yeah, yeah. Shadow Realm. All right. So, yeah, yeah, when I was walking them, yeah. I looked like I think people think that this friggin' thing is my dog guide. <laughs> I feel like if Wes Anderson was blind and had a dog guide that this was the dog that he'd be using. 100%. Yeah. I like that. You think it's okay? Yeah, I really think it's good. It's like work out the beginning and how to transition to dogs. And I think you're good. Yeah. Yeah. I am at Joseph Tassoni's studio today for a go-see, and I'm also trying on a few pieces. I'm a little nervous because Joseph is the first designer that I'm going to the showroom for that I've never met in person and don't have a relationship with yet. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so nice to meet you. So nice to meet you Elbow as well. Bands. My name is Joseph Tassoni. I'm a Canadian designer, and my brand is proudly made right here in Canada with locally sourced materials. So I saw you come in with your raincoat, which I love. Okay, but what I'm thinking is maybe we can get a little bit inspired and then okay. try on the Joseph Tassoni raincoat. Yeah, it's got like a almost cape silhouette to yeah. it too. Joseph Tassoni is high-end outerwear that I wish I could have in my wardrobe. How do you feel in that? I feel expensive. <laughs> For me, what's so important with every piece that I do, it's about how the wearer connects with them. Everybody, no matter what your silhouette is, has an opportunity to look great. Yeah. It's just about finding the right piece that connects with you. Yeah. We're gonna try a couple of other pieces on. I really think that oh, this is gonna be just so, so goodness. beautiful on you. A long black chiffon oversized shirt. Yes, she's calling your name. Oh my God, oh my God, okay. You gotta give me a little spin. Look at the flow. How does it feel? It feels so lightweight. Yeah? Yeah. I wanted to create styles that kind of made sense as to how you can reinvent pieces in your existing wardrobe. Well, and I'm noticing that like you make something that's brand new feeling, but also timeless feeling. Oh yeah. You know, and this is incredible. Well, thank you. So I have three sisters. Okay, mm -hmm. and I've been making clothes since I was five for them. Wow. Yeah, literally. I actually have a photo over there, which I could, do you want to see it? Oh my gosh, you have to show me. Yeah, so I've been making clothes since before I could read, all right? Over here. So that's me at five oh. years old. And then those are my three sisters. So my mom came home and you see the little scissors in my hand? Yes. So I cut up all of her drapes and then I made all of my <laughs> sister's dresses. Yeah. Growing up with, you know, so many females in the house, you hear about and you watch, you know, all these fit issues. Nothing fits right. Having the right clothes that work with your body and that you connect with really can just kind of elevate you and then allow you to take on anything. I agree with that. Like having clothes that fit you proper does wonders for your confidence. And all of a sudden, like your posture is different. Yeah. Your energy is different. Your confidence is different. You move through life differently. And I know that for myself, like the minute I stopped dressing like I was sick and started just dressing however the heck I wanted in any given moment was the minute I started to feel like unstoppable. That's right. Rachel is a pillar of strength to young people trying to achieve their dreams. It's not easy going to someone that you don't know and then walking in and owning the space, owning you and knowing who you are. And I think Rachel really, really encompasses that. Thank you so much for having me today. And I loved trying on your pieces and I can't wait to do something with you soon. You're gonna rock one of my pieces in one of my shows, I tell you right now. <laughs> I'm like gonna cry now, seriously, this is so great. 
The go see at Joseph Tassoni today was amazing. It felt like I walked into a room with a stranger and I'm walking out having a new friend. I was in a short film. I was 15 years old in Halifax, Nova Scotia. That was my first experience with film. Uh, I fell in love with acting. The messages that we receive, you know, as being a deaf person, is that you can't, you can't, you can't. So it took me a while to get rid of that negativity. In Canada, I think it's something small, like 0.3% of actors are disabled. That is a tiny, itty-bitty number. That's very small. And it starts with the writers. The members of Writers Guild have the power to write scripts. And most of the time, they don't even think about including a deaf writer. And we don't have any deaf writers or members. That's why I created my own material. <laughs> I want to write a one-woman show to tell my story as a deaf person and share the obstacles that I've been able to overcome. So I took a writing workshop from Playwright Theatre Centre in Vancouver, BC. It was a group workshop related to writing a one-person show. Today is the last gathering for our groups to get together to discuss and give feedback and talk about what to expect next in our writing process. I'm really excited about it. Hi gang, here we are for the solo performance workshop here at PTC. Kat has volunteered to share first. This is about when I was a student, way back when I was in film school. This particular scene is going to involve a quick change of different scenes. And the point of it is that I had 23 different interpreters while I was doing my film degree in university. That's a lot. So visually, the representation of that it's like a revolving door concept, if you will. And we're going around and around. My two hands are brought up with my palms open and they're moving in a circular motion. The way that you would picture or feel a revolving door moving, what it's conveying is the number of different interpreters that I had. Did they change out the interpreter again? Why did they change out to a new interpreter? Who are you? I don't know you. I'm trying to learn the language of this film industry that I want to be a part of. And I'm struggling because of the constant change in interpreters. That's it. Thanks, Kat. For folks who were observing, any story moments that were strong for you? Definitely as strong images that stood out for me were whirling <laughs> and time passing. It was almost like when I was watching you at a certain point, I almost started to get nauseous, like, oh, she's going through this frustration at, at certain points in a good way. I completely understand, thank you. So hopefully with the next grant application, with the approval, I'll be able to take things to the second level and I'll be able to have the play in full ready by 2022. Thank you all again, everyone. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. We're in Parkdale. Yeah. At what? What's the name of the bar? It's called Tonight Live Happenings Bar. There you go. This is the first live show I've done in 20 months, something like that. I'm feeling actually a little nervous. I'm just gonna go in and we'll see if my hands shake while I'm holding the mic. Hey, Dan. As a result of constantly feeling like I have to overcompensate, so people don't even notice I have a disability. I have a really hard time celebrating good things. 
I had like a really good thing happen today and I still feel like I have an eye on what's next because if I'm not laser focused, it can all go away, like immediately. And I think everyone fears that in any career, in any aspect of their life, but my fear comes from, I was training for the Olympics, I had back pain turned into a spinal tumor and never came back even able-bodied. Like I kind of had my whole life ripped out from under me. Like I constantly like feel grateful that I somehow have made it to the other side, but part of me still feels scared that like there's quicksand underneath my feet and I'm gonna get sucked into this place that I will never be able to climb up. For a long time, in like the dark, dark days, so like I don't know if I'm gonna make it to tomorrow days, I held on to this notion that I'm going to create disability visibility, I'm going to tell stories about ableism and chronic illness and survival and someday the world will be better, someday nobody will live the same life that I did. Cheers. Yep. Too good help. Thank you. Please put your hands together for the very funny Courtney Gilmore. Thank you so much for having me. My name's Courtney. Um, just off the top, I am an army amputee, okay? I'm an army amputee. I think some people in my Zoom shows thought that it was a filter. Um, it's not the... They were like, we've heard about the cat years. This seems a little dark. Um, everyone has been saying that quarantine aged us a few years. I definitely feel like it's aged us. I also feel like I'm emotionally regressing. I don't have a husband or a partner to like nag or get into fights with, so I'm just like starting shit with DoorDash for no reason, just, just to feel something. <laughs> Right before I go on stage, in my head, I'm just going over the whole set. Some of it is new, untested material, and I think it's funny, but that doesn't mean a group of other people and my peers will think so too. Best case is people laugh. That's, that's all I need. Worst case scenario is it's gonna um, fall like a pile of bricks. Uh, please put your hands together for Dan Vera Berger, everybody! What's up, everybody? Thank you for uh, thanks for having me. This is a good part for me to tell you that I'm blind, in case people like me can't see that I'm blind. Because that... <laughs> but uh, yeah, blindness is fun. It's not, but it is. We'll say for the joke. Um, it's like one of those disabilities that people think that they it's relatable. You know, you get people thinking like, hey, hey, man. Um, yeah, I totally get it. You know, sometimes when it's like night and it's foggy and it's it's raining. Sometimes I have to wear glasses to drive. That's the same, same thing, same thing. Going into the set, I knew that it was kind of an interesting crowd, but I don't have enough material really to kind of play around with that, so I just went whole hog with what I had. So during the pandemic, uh, my, my girlfriend and I, we were watching this dog, um, friggin' uh, Whippet. First of all, it looks like a dog crossed with a pencil. It's just super long. And from the side, it looks like a real dog. But then when it turns and faces you, it's so thin, it just like just disappears into the shadow realm. It's gone. And so I had to take this friggin' Niles Crane-looking dog out uh, for, for a walk. And this, I mean, shit, it's better dressed than me, and it's not even got clothes on. This is a fancy dog, man. And 
and I'm walking it, and people are, I realize people are staring at me because I've got my, my, oh shit, I lost, there it is, my white cane, and I've got this dog. People think this is my dog, dog guide. And I'm like, how fancy do you think I am? Like, like this dog, all right, if Wes Anderson was a blind guy and he had to pick a dog, it'd be this friggin' dog, you know? I gotta call out my time right there, because I forgot if I had anything else. There we go. I could have done a lot, a lot, a lot better, I'll say it. Um, I've built a lot of this set from tonight on just hope, like thinking what I think is funny. I wasn't bad necessarily, but I've been a lot better. I'm gonna chalk it up this time to nerves and just how long it's been since I've done it. That was really good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah it was, it was something. Yeah. <laughs> so, Good to be done? Yeah. And you'll do a bunch more? I hope so. Roll sound. Okay, we're going to move on to uh, your health scare. Oh, yeah. Okay. That whole thing, yes. When did you start feeling something was off uh, with your sight this summer? Hmm. Can I break the fourth wall? Yep. Okay. I, I actually noticed that I was having some changes to my vision, we'll call it, um, uh, while, while filming this. It was an extremely hot day, and uh, I noticed little floaties in my vision. And then I saw flashing, which is like, um, it's kind of like lightning bolts and a very pretty blue. Um, and then I really panicked. Featuring Dan Berger, Caden Lawrence, Catherine Joel McKinnon, Rachel Romu, Alexa Vassos, Ty Young, Executive Producers, Karen Hansen, Ian Thompson, Series Producer, Michelle Asgarelli, Directors, Ryan Marley, Ian Thompson, Megan McAteer, Chris Ann Hessing, Sophia Lane, Series Editor, Margaret McDougall, Composer, Walker Grimshaw, Post Sound Mixer, Taylor Brocklesby, Dialogue Editor, Christy McIntyre, produced in association with Accessible Media. Integrated described video consultants, Simone Cupid and M. Williams. Production and development executive, Andrew Morris. To find out more, including a full list of credits, check out breakingcharacter.tv. Produced in association with AMI.